Hey, I'm Ginger. And I'm Don Zell. And you're listening to Misplaced Life. We really appreciate you guys tuning into our show, and we hope you'll keep coming back. Please follow us or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your support means everything. Hey, Donzel. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. What's happening? Not much. I did some decorating on my apartment. I've gotten that a little bit further ahead of my process, which is good. I'm a terrible decorator. Just let the world know that. Terrible. What are you doing? The most basic of things. Painting my walls again. But like, what's your plan? Oh, that's why I'm terrible. I don't have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) I just start doing something. I'm like, oh, I think that's cute. I think that's cute. But, you know, people who have an eye for decoration can be like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. And randomly put it together. And then it comes together and it's this beautiful thing. I be like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. And it comes together and it's just this hot mess of like almost a swap meet meets. But I think sometimes that's kind of cool. Like the accidental... Girl, I think so too. Art, I'm at or, that age where yeah. people want to see a refined look in my apartment when they come over. I'm talking about my gentleman calls. I was going to say, <laughs> I am not included in that group because there is not one thing that's refined about me. Sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah. My friends It's mom, amazing that but, I was raised in the South. Can I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing well, pristine about me. Let's just say I understand what nesting means now. I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> even me doing the apartment for my damn self. It's me doing the apartment for a fucking mate or potential mate. And your son. Let's. let's oh yeah, my son. But how, he is tears Mr. how is Mr. Monroe? He's in recovery. He got neutered on Monday. Mr. Monroe is my kid, and everyone. I don't really have a son. Well, I do have a son. I don't have a human son. <laughs> but he's in recovery. He got neutered on Monday. And he is, of course, because he's my son, the worst recovery patient. Talk about drama king. The boy has his cone of shame on. And all Aww. day yesterday, he just laid down with these sad, pathetic eyes looking at me. Sucka. And then he would, you know, pick his head up every now and then and go, no. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you are saying, not half dead. <laughs> yeah, I welcome almost, to being a parent. Yeah, I almost took the coat off yesterday and I was like, no, must be strong, tough love. Not to mention if I take that cone off and he licks out his stitches, it's going to be tough vet bill when I take him back. <laughs> and it never ends. Again, welcome to Parenthood. Um, At least you get to have like college coming up. I thought about that. I was like, oh. I do? I don't get. How do we know that? (laughs) Have you talked to anybody who's got a freshman in college right now? Maybe Uh, you'll get the four-year college break. (laughs) With him, I was like, yeah, I don't get a potential like, okay, go to college. I'm going to turn your bedroom into my, you know, new office or spare room. He's with me until he's done on this planet. Yeah, he is a pet. For life, yeah, I don't know, but, but I love him. I know I it's know. also hard for me because I just want to pick him up and cuddle him all the time, and he's not a cuddler. Oh, you're so such a daddy. He, oh, I, I love am. It. He loves when I pick him up and walk around holding him. He's such a brat. So if I sit down, he won't stay in my arms. Okay. But if I pick him up and you know walk around the house okay. or go to the windows, oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Well, I kind of love that. Yeah. I'm not convinced that your um, decorating idea is some like catio or something you got going on over there, but you can fill me in later. Yeah. Well, you'll see it when it's finally done. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm always tweaking something, but I also think it's my anxiety of the 
pandemic, to be honest. Yeah. Because what else am I going to do with my life besides work? You know, you can't go out. You can't go party like I used to. I can't go to West Hollywood like I used to. Of course, places are open subtly, but I don't want to be out in public and risk, you know, contracting COVID just because I wanted to have a night out at the bar. Like, to me, the risk isn't worth it. Right. So decorating my apartment is the thing that makes me separate from the rest of the world and just focus on something creative without it being an audition or a job or a production or something. And I'm just doing something for the fun of it. Right. Well, and just, you know, sometimes you have to find other ways to be creative. And yes. With the restrictions or constraints that you have or you are honoring for yourself right now. I mean, some yes. people aren't necessarily honoring what's suggested. No, um, that's why we're still in this situation. Let's be honest. Like we're not yeah. in this situation because everyone's been doing their absolute best. I mean, come on, I was at Ikea today because I'm redecorating and I can't even tell you how many <laughs> Home people. Home Depot, Home Goods, Ikea. Who are you, Donzel? <laughs> Girl. But the number of people who were around without their mask on or had their mask, you know, halfway on or, you know, covering part of their face, but not their mouth. And it's like, just wear the damn mask for a few months until we can get out of this situation. I know. Y'all are over here saying it's not going to work, but you didn't even give it a try. I know. How are you going to say something at work that you didn't try? I know. And you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And yeah, we've, I, in some ways, I feel like we have the same conversations over yeah. and over and over again. I mean, I kind of feel like that at the moment, it's sort of a here we are again moment. Yeah. And, you know, without going backwards in time, you know, but you and I have been friends. We've been friends for a long time, but we really reconnected in December, I would say. Right. So, you know, it's been a long time that we've been having, you know, between just our friendship growing and, and this podcast, we've had a lot of conversations and it's just crazy to me that here we are having a conversation about masks and rights to not wear a mask. And I feel like we had the same conversation in March. Yes, we did. And it's not obviously just about masks and the pandemic. It's about this other... It's about idiots. But it's about just the even bigger disease in this flipping country right now. And it's such a here we are again moment. I want to talk about that stuff in a minute because if we start talking about that, I don't even know if there's enough time in the world for us to even have a a reasonable conversation and a a reasonable amount for a podcast. But, you know, you mentioned West Hollywood a minute ago in terms of just being out and socializing. And I know that that's something that we wanted to address. And perhaps you want to just bring up something that you mentioned for us to discuss today about a different kind of prejudice, racism, you know, and hate hate that is very prevalent. And it sometimes it doesn't get buried or hidden, but it definitely does not get the awareness level that I think, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement has in the very moment. So because we live here in Los Angeles. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's getting there. The recognition is getting there of the fight. The thing that you're speaking on is the erasure or non-inclusiveness of trans lives, specifically 
trans lives of color, black and brown. And last week, there were three trans women in Hollywood, three trans women of color, who were hatefully attacked. And not only were they attacked, they recorded it and then posted the recordings as if it's some type of glory. My stomach was in knots of disgust because at the end of the day, these are innocent lies that do not deserve to be bashed. And these are lives of color that are just as valuable and precious as every other life. And I don't care what your belief is around gender and the gender constructs. Because first of all, if you don't know that gender is a construct, then go educate yourself. And stop just believing everything that you think that you know is true. Because we have all been told lies. We've been told lies in our media. We've been told lies from our education process. We've been told lies from our family. Because it's easier to just say, this is the way it's always been. And never question, well, who said it had to be that way? And then when you investigate, you figure out that we're living the lives of stories that people told us to believe about ourselves. We're living lies that we as gay people have to be a certain way or as straight people, we have to be a certain way or as a male or a woman, this is what equates manhood and this is what equates womanhood. These are rules that were made up by humans long ago. And we have the power to create a new reality that is more inclusive. And if we get up and we say Black Lives Matter, we have to start to understand that that means all Black lives matter. I do not like that Black women, their stories are not as equal as the Black men, straight men's stories. I do not like that Black trans women's stories are not given the same equal weight as straight Black men's stories are. Because Black Lives Matter means all Black Lives Matter. If my trans brother or sister is being harmed, that's a Black life that I fight for, that I want to protect, and that we all must protect, and we all must also say their names. And we all must also understand that it's not just about police brutality that's taking the lives of our Black bodies. It is sometimes an everyday person who does it. And there was a Black man who was a part of that group. I know. I think there were a couple, but yeah. I don't want to say for sure because it was hard to watch the video. Yeah. How dare you be a Black man and harm another Black life because they are trans. I think it's an interesting point that even when you're fighting for equality, there's still inequality in that fight. I agree. Right? There's there's biases. There's It's almost like prejudice, even within the fight 
to not be, to not have prejudice exist in this world, there's a, there's a, a structure. Yeah. There's, a, there's a status of there's, that. So it's like what you're saying is like, is black men, their lives matter more than black women per se. And black life, black women's lives matter more than black trans lives. Exactly. And, there's I mean, intersectionality. And I think that as a society that how fucked up is it that we're so prone, we're so conditioned that even, even in a moment of trying to fight for something and fight for equality, there's still this sort of, inequality and equity, even within the construct of the, of, of just black lives, right? That's not even counting any, I was just talking about black lives in particular, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, because it's, we have it's to sadly fascinating, but I think it just, it's a, it's, it speaks our, as humans, exactly, we're so conditioned like to rape people where we, we rape people. It's like by it's their part of our human nature, right. unfortunately, to find the other and to hate or discriminate against the other. But we have the mentality and the intelligence to overcome that. It's the thing that separates us from the other animals on this planet. Because at the end of the day, that's all we are too as humans. We're animals. Mm -hmm. And we walk around here like we're, you know, high and mighty, but we are just another animal on this planet sharing this planet. But the difference between us and the wild animals is that we have language and intelligence to say, does it have to be this way? They have instinct that they can't overcome that says you have to, if you're a dog, see the cat start barking. If you're a cat and you see the bird, chase it, go eat. You got to survive. There's no thought. It's just action. Exactly. Yeah. That's not us. Why do we behave worse than wild animals as humans? Where does that conditioning come from? From lies that we are told. From having a colonized mind. And what I mean by that is understanding that we live in a post-colonial world where our country was dominated and colonized and those and men. those status those exactly. all of those differences were established. I mean, can I flip a coin for a second? Flip it, flip, girl. Not flip, flip a coin. It. Can I can I flip the conversation for a second? I'm probably going to get in trouble for asking this question, but then again, this is the conversation. So, when you were going through, like, let's call it the three categories that you referred to a minute ago: black men, black women, black trans, and you're saying all black lives matter. When the Black Lives Movement escalated after. When, when George Floyd, which was, you know, the tipping point of many, many, many situations, deaths that happened before him, as we've discussed, but that really became the tipping point where it became this huge movement, which I'm not convinced is big enough and strong enough, but it is the best it's ever been in terms of like momentum. I guess that all remains to be seen if we can really make a difference and really make a shift. It felt like it for a minute, but now it's just, you know, again, we'll get to that in a second. You know, how much of a movement is it really? Mm. I mean, it's a movement, an but how that. much How much is the movement moving? I have an basically. answer for that. But in the beginning of that, you know, there were all the people that were saying, you know, when Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, you know, there was the other side going, all lives matter, all lives matter. And it was very offensive. And I, Totally understand. 
because it's coming from a lot of white people who didn't really understand what that message really meant, right? It was not because nobody was saying that your life as a white person doesn't matter. What we're saying is now we need everybody to know that we matter, right? Because we have been treated and, you know, made to feel that we didn't matter since the moment that we've actually been in this country. And I get that. But to the point you were making about the different segments, right? So as a woman, why is it that, you know, women have been oppressed for in a very different way? And again, I'm not comparing women to Black people in this country, but there has always been that, you know, that hierarchy, right? So how do we, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Black lives matter, women's lives matter, right? I'm not going to get into the semantics of that conversation or that hashtag. But I guess what I'm trying to say is how do we unite our frustrations, right? Like you were saying, it's Black men, it's Black women, it's Black trans. For me, it's as a woman, right? And I know that I'm luckier because I'm white. I have had white privilege. And so it's easier for me to exist in this society than it is for Black women. But I'm still one of those categories that has never really felt true equality in this country. So I think that there's a lot of, I don't really know how to say it, but like, I I just wish that we could take all of these feelings of like inequality, whether it's because of our race or our gender or whatever, and kind of like pile it into one big ball of fucking energy and really, really make the movement to be a movement about just humanity and being a movement about being good, kind people who care about each other, regardless of any of those segments. And yes, the the Black people in this country have had a shitty fucking history that nobody seems to know about, which I am just now starting to learn about. And you taught me another thing today. We're all learning, but I just want to find a way to like harness all that energy because there's so many of us, black or white, trans or not trans, men or women that are just fucking frustrated with the situation in this country. And like, how do we harness that instead of being separated in our frustrations and need for equality? How do we harness that together? Because together we're going to be stronger. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. I'm first the one to say, like, you should never feel bad about asking a question. When you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer. And people across all aisles are guilty of judging someone for their question. Liberals, conservatives, black, white, gay, straight. People need to stop judging other people for asking a question of what they really want to know the answer to. Thank you for saying that. Because everyone doesn't know everything and everyone doesn't come to the fight and the movement at the same time in their life. And just like how I could judge you for a question you're asking, you can turn around and judge me for a question I'm asking on something totally different. So when someone doesn't know, they don't know. So... Let's just get that out the way. You ask whatever question you want to ask, no matter how bad it may seem. The other thing. Thanks. I will. You're welcome, girl. (laughs) The other thing. I love you too, man. (laughs) The other thing is we have to understand that intersectionality is a big deal. Intersectionality is that moment of the crossroads where our lives meet. We have this movement, this romance of a movement in in our head. 
When I say we, I mean most people involved in a movement. And they want to only focus on their hurt because we have been hurt. It's trauma. As a woman, you have been hurt. Today on Facebook, I saw a woman post a a meme or not a meme, like a, a picture question asking, you know, as a woman, when was the first time you were objectified by a man? And I guarantee you most women will answer was in their childhood. And this woman friend of mine said I was eight years old as her answer to the question. And other women chimed in. And understanding that as a woman, you have trauma. As a black man, I have trauma. As a gay black man, I have trauma. And a lot of times we want to heal our trauma. So when we want to heal our trauma, naturally so, we're only focusing on us. But we have to understand that while I'm trying to heal my trauma, the same woman across the table from me, she's trying to heal her trauma. And somewhere in there, there's this intersection where our collective traumas and pains meet. Yeah. And it boils down to, sorry, but not sorry, what a bunch of straight white men did years ago and the system of oppression and patriarchy that they created, saying that if you aren't a straight white man and at the time who believed in a certain religion, you are not the chosen ones. You are subservient to us. And that was a lie, people. And it's a lie that still persists. It's unbelievable. And look, you know I love my quotes, girl. So I'm going to pull up a quote. I want to hear your quote, and then I'm going to give you a quote that's good for you um, to chew on, please. So this is from Audre Lorde. This quote from Audre Lorde. Tell our listeners who uh, Audre Lorde is. uh, Audre Lorde was an amazing poet and uh, essayist, lesbian woman of color. Brilliant. Spoke a lot on feminism and racism and also the, the LGBT experience. Audre Lorde has this beautiful quote that says, I am not free while any woman is unfree even when her shackles are very different from my own. That's what I mean by all Black Lives Matter. I, as a Black man, am not free Mm -hmm. while my Black women are still in shackles. I, as a Black man, am not free while my Black trans women are being murdered at monstrous rates across the country. So I have to understand that There is intersectionality within us that revolves around our blackness in this case. Right. So whether I am trans or not, I cannot fight for my freedom as a black man and then turn a blind eye to injustice to a black trans woman and think that that's going to set me free. If I want to be free as a black man, I've got to help other black people get their shackles off. And it's the same as women. So you as a woman, you're right. You have your own shackles that you're dealing with, that you're working to get off, but you got to also help the other women get their shackles off. Yeah. And someone's going to get theirs off first. So don't be the person who gets their shackles 
off and then leaves the prison. Says, and it's like, bye, peace out, peace sister. Out, see y'all later. <laughs> you turn right. around and you help the others get it off because all that's going to do is for the person who put us in those shackles, they're going to just say, oh, tough loss. We lost one, but you know what? We still got these others. We yeah, can keep, keep going. they keep their power. They keep their power. They keep their power. Yeah. On that note, speaking of quotes, you and I talk about Facebook and depending on my mood in the day and, and whatever, and my ability to tolerate stupidity. Oops, sorry, did I say that? Don't be sorry. <laughs> I don't know. No, at I this mean, point, you know, I just... It, I hold no, nothing uh, <laughs> back at calling people dumb. You know, honestly, it, it's it's not even stupidity. It's just you can't... There, There's a certain limitation to people who believe certain things when Which it comes I to politics. stupidity, but okay. <laughs> well, it is stupid, but it's not... It's not I don't fucking know. I mean, it's not intelligence. Could be. I know a lot. Put it this way. I know a lot of really intelligent, smart people who Who believe really stupid (laughs) shit. So does that make them stupid? Maybe. I don't know. But I also, you know, I think because of the, because we do this podcast and because we try to shed light through our conversations, shed light on a lot of things, right? And I saw there was an article that Charles Dent, you know, an old GOP guy who had written an op-ed about him, about endorsing Biden. And he went on to explain his rationale. And, you know, I'm not going to bore you guys the details, but it was a, something that I felt would be an interesting opportunity to ask some of the more conservative Republican Facebook friends that I have what their thoughts were on that, because he explained why I don't necessarily agree with some of his policies. I don't really want higher taxes. I don't really want this and I don't really want that. But I would rather have that than have the the alternative, which is having this monster, he didn't really say that word, but you know, in office. And the guy who has pretty much destroyed our country and everything that it is supposed to be built upon and stand for. So I posted the article and I said, hey, Curious to know what you guys think about this. If you can't be polite and respectful, don't comment. I got to say, one person commented (laughs) and it was respectful. And then I got a Facebook message from another person that grew up with me on my street in Gardendale, Alabama. We were kids that played together from, you know, early childhood until, you know, we left home. And he messaged me on Facebook and he sent me this thing about Dent and this whole like story about Dent and Christy and da, 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 all these details about something that happened. And he said, she said, and, blah, 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 and why, blah, 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 and I'd met Trump and well, he seemed like a really nice guy, da, 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 whatever. And I was kind of like, okay, disengage, right? Kind of just let it go. Cause I'm like, it wasn't, it wasn't even a conversation that was online that I even really felt like I had to respond to. And I was like, I didn't really know how to respond to this. So then I get this from him last night. Okay, can I just read it? Please. Quote, following up on my previous message, Ginger, there is a stark difference in the DNC and RNC convention message, one of hope and promise versus one of gloom and doom, a message of oppression versus a message of freedom. Tonight, seeing and hearing testimony from the ladies that serve our country inside the White House should be a strong indication that this president supports women in the highest positions. 
Black and other minorities have spoken out against the atrocities the liberal left has perpetrated, including those that are Democrats themselves. The media is an extremely powerful force. This force has taken the hope of our country and intentionally falsified truth to meet their narrative. I believe it is obvious what this administration stands for, and I hope you and others that may have been intentionally deceived will consider that there may be possibly a different version of what our country is than what is currently believed. At the end of the day, this is not about a group, a denomination, or even a party. This fight is against Satan. Satan is the great deceiver and has brought disunity to our great land. The longer and further we allow our nation to get for God, I don't know what that means, if we allow our nation to get from God, I think he meant, the more disunity, division, and destruction that will take place. Much more than President Trump, we need Jesus to heal our land. What are your thoughts? So, anywho, <laughs> but well, I'm like, did you watch mm. the same thing that I was watching? Yes. Which was lie after they lie did. after lie after lie. And all of the, oops, all of those women, I'm like, yeah. he is an admitted sexual fucking predator, right? But he's an admitted sexual predator who they believe will bring the country closer to God. That's exactly what's wrong with our country and why I don't know if our country will ever heal within this generation. I do genuinely believe the kids coming behind me, uh, behind us, I've said this several times, about your kids and the younger kids, I genuinely believe that they're going to get this country back on track. That's what Chris Weber said today. I genuinely, as much people give flack against that generation and the TikTok and da da da, like I don't care. Let them have their fun because to be honest, they're more smarter and in quality and inclusive for equality than any generation has ever come before them. And they're all they getting get fucked right now. Track. Thank you very much. Yes, but they are. Yeah, they I are. Am, it's affecting them it is. more than ever. I have huge hopes. As Whitney Houston said, I believe the children are the future. But you know what? That right there is the reason why we, things are going to get worse. Because what he said, the truth in that of where I agree, yes, I totally agree with you that there is media manipulation. But the difference between me and whoever that idiot is, is that <laughs> I understand that the media manipulation goes across both sides. I understand that both sides aren't giving the full story and that at this point it's about ratings. So I do the work to make sure that I find out the real truth. They think that only their conservative views and media is telling the truth when they are also spewing lies. This idiot said that liberals have called out problems within the liberal camp. Yeah, we have, because we understand that no human and no political party is perfect. So we're not afraid to hold our leaders to a standard of high accountability. And when they don't reach it, to say, hey, get it together. That's not okay. The difference between me and that idiot is I'm not going to vote for a man who openly says he grabs women by the pussy and then say he's a good man of God. 
because mm-hmm. I can hold my leaders accountable as of the same party and say, you're human, you have flaws, I need you to get it together. Just don't grab the snatch. <laughs> The conservative <laughs> side turns a blind eye. You got they this. join in. They join they in. They applaud it. They're like, dude, right on. Woo! Yeah, and then dude. they say like, oh, liberals, you guys are all, you're, you're talking about how your leaders are. Da, 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 da. You dude. mean we have a standard of accountability for our leaders that we want them to reach and you don't? You know what their standard is? Did you hear Jer- Jerry Falwell Jr.'s severance was $10 million fucking dollars? Of anyway, of course it was. Of yeah. course. That's a big slap on the You've wrist. Got, I mean, penis. I mean, wrist. You got Je- Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, if I even said her name right. Ghislaine. You've got them <laughs> who are known sexual predators and sex traffickers. Yep. You've got... And Trump wished her well exactly. when she got arrested. <laughs> you got him calling Nancy Pelosi a nasty woman, Hillary a nasty woman, Warren a nasty woman, and then a literal nasty woman, you say, I wish her well. Uh-huh. Good luck with that. At this point, yeah, you're she's, right. By the way, she'll be dead. Maybe, yeah. A known nasty woman. You're right. This is not about party at this point. This is not about politics. You've got a woman who participated in a a freaking crime ring of abusing yeah, women. She basically took children that were my daughter's at, age. Exactly. Yeah. And at this point, you're right. It's I wish not her well. I wish her politics. well. I wish her so well. So when mm-hmm. my president says, I wish her well, I'm not going to look at my president and be like, what do you mean you wish her well? You better speak out against that. No, not going to happen. But, you know. Because he's on the list. Exactly. Of course. Because, girl, that's a whole nother story. And then the whole conversation about God. Look, you know, yeah. I'm a kid who grew up in the South and grew up with very religious Me too. grandparents. And I have my own views of organized religion versus spirituality and the challenges that that gives. And I'm not going to go into that and I'm not going to go into my belief system. Right. But what I do know is you guys wake up. Christianity is not the sole religion of the world. I mean... Okay, so that's the thing. And I didn't grow up speaking in tongues. What did Kojic? Is that what you told me? I grew up Kojic. Kojic, yeah. yeah, which is a very, very, very like extreme, extreme, down, strict, strict. Yeah, yes, down home. Uh, we were Episcopalians. By the way, we were Episcopalians, and being an Episcopalian is in the South. Is you know, I, I always used to laugh because you know, my dad. I mean. He worked really hard and he would come home and he would have his old Forrester and water and I'd happily make it for him. And he would sit in his chair and and read the paper. And, you know, none of the Baptist neighbors and friends ever had alcohol in their house because they didn't drink. But let me tell you something. They always had a bourbon and water with my dad when they would come over. Mm -hmm. And my biggest frustration about, and this is from my experience, was the hypocrisy of a lot of Christian religions, not all Christians are hypocrites by not any stretch. I, I still totally consider agree. myself a Christian, mm-hmm. not necessarily in the traditional sense, because mm-hmm. I actually have quote unquote unchristian like opinions that I believe in spirituality. I believe that whatever you believe in, wherever you put your faith in something bigger that bigger in this than this planet, in this universe, whether it's something inside yourself or something somewhere else. If it guides you to be a good, humble, kind person to yourself and to others, 
And that is what the basis of any religion should be. It's not about being exclusive. It's about being inclusive. But in where I grew up, it was a very judgmental. Yeah. Like if you don't, and some Christian denominations because are, how much if you don't that, even believe in their denomination of Christianity, you are you fucking are going exactly. to hell. How much yeah, of religion absolutely. was used to cause power over you and manipulate you to do things the way a group of people said you should? Yeah. Not the way that the Bible said you should, yeah. but the way these group of people believe. their interpretation of how it's they their choose to make power. I get it. And, I mean, not for me personally, but I saw it around me a lot. Like my personal experience growing up was awesome. Yeah. But it was not the same. I what everybody else up. experienced. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also had a grandfather who taught me to read and interpret and question and evaluate, evaluate and examine what is being told to you about religion because he knew that religion across the board, it doesn't matter people, whether it be Christianity or a secular, you know, religion that is created. Religion across the board is dominated by people. People themselves are flawed. People themselves like power. People themselves like greed. People themselves like money. And there are tons of religions especially organized religions that use the word of whatever their God is to manipulate and create that power. And they're all filthy, fucking rich people. And I understand, like you said, that's not every person who is in a religion. But if you are honestly thinking that that is not happening, then you yourself you are misplaced with your intelligence. <laughs> Wake up. People abuse power. In every possible way. I mean, that's the thing. It's like whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether politics, it's education, position, career, like whatever exactly. it is. It's like, we, and again, it goes back to that whole thing about how we've been conditioned to create this like status yeah. level. And so therefore, because of that, Power is what gets you up the ladder, right? Yeah. And so we're conditioned to find any way that we can to get up and that ladder. To get up that fucking ladder. And how many of us how truly, genuinely believe? That? It's like the multiplication tables, right? You got to get to 12 by 12. I never did. <laughs> but how many of us genuinely believe that in 2020, Every single word that's in the Bible today is the exact way it was written when it was first compiled. Or was there stuff left out? Was there stuff reinterpreted? Was there stuff that was uh, the language changed? Was it in ch- was the Bible put in the hands of man? Human? Who wanted power? They wanted to be 144, 12 times 12. So, see, I told you I didn't get that far. I was like 60. Um, I knew my 10s like were five. the easiest. <laughs> I could do 10s and 5s. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, okay, can I, really sidebar. So, yeah. I, when I was a, in graduate school, yes, people, I went to graduate school. Oh, me too. Um, we're so smart. We're smart <laughs> people, Donzel. We're so smart. Educated. Oh, my goodness, we are so smart. But there was, I was bartending when I was in graduate school in Birmingham, Alabama, and there was mm-hmm. a guy there who was also a, bart- uh, a waiter. Very nice guy. And he was, what is it called, the seminary? Like he was studying to be a, a minister, but one of the more, I would say, stricter, like, you know, kind of one of the denominations in Christianity that believes if you're not that denomination, you're condemned to hell, right? Not just being Christian is good enough. 
again, caste system within a caste system, right? Just like status within like the movement. There's like status within like Christianity. But, and I, again, I don't know why, but I do know why, because I'm always curious, right? That's just the way that my brain works, which is kind of fucked up sometimes. But I'll have these conversations with people that I'm like, and I know it's completely crazy what he's thinking, but I'm curious to know, like, but like how and why? And so we were talking one night after work and he was having a beer and, and I said, so let me ask you this question. I go, so if people aren't whatever, Church of Christ or whatever it was, I don't know, but I think those are one of the denominations that believes that. Yeah, so Church of Christ and Church of God. You're saying that like, because be I'm an Episcopalian, that I'm going to hell. And he goes, yeah. Yeah. I go, do you think I'm a good person? He goes, yeah, I think you're a great person. I go, okay, so why am I going to hell? He goes, because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and lived by the rules of whatever this church was. I was like, okay, I was baptized and I was confirmed and I, I'm a good person, but I'm going to hell. I go, "Uh, okay. I go, all right, let's take that off the table. I said, you believe God is fair? He goes, absolutely. I said, in order to be fair, Every person that exists on this planet would need to be given the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Truth? He goes, yeah. I go, because if God's fair, that's fair, right? Somebody that grew up in India, who is a very different religion, God's so, he's not so unfair that those people are all condemned to hell, right? Because they have been given the opportunity for, you know, to accept Jesus Christ, right? He goes, yeah. I go, do you think it's humanly possible for all of the people that believe in your faith to get all of the people in the world to give them the opportunity to say, hey, dude, do you accept Jesus Christ as your savior? Yes or no? Because yes, you're good. No, bye-bye. Say hello to the devil. I go, is that what you're saying? And he goes, yeah. I go, how is that possible? He goes, That's what missions are for, Ginger. That's what missions are for. You cannot be rational with people when it comes to those types of conversations. I knew that that's where this story was going the whole time. I know. I'm sorry I drug it out. Um, But I was just kind of like, I kept taking it a little further going like, okay, but. But That's what I mean by like people can't see past their own biases sometimes. Like this idea that that's part of colonialism. That's part of a group of people saying we're the chosen ones and it's our job to go and dominate the savages and we have to tell them how to live right and we have to save them and we have to, you know, uh, deliver them from their sinful that's ways. very Lord of the Flies, you know, but go ahead. You know, and but that's what keeps them moving, right? That's what justifies them being able to turn a blind eye to Trump because to them, Trump is going to get them, get the country closer to God. And it doesn't matter how he's doing it. He's going to get it there, even though one of the most demonic men that we know is in that office. And that's him. Yeah, he's kind of the devil, isn't he? He's just orange. He's not red. Christianity has been used to justify some of the most egregious crimes to humanity. Uh, Yeah, they have. And if you don't like that I said that, look up the history of what some Christians have done. Because Christianity was also used to justify slavery. 
So you can't tell me in the same breath that you think slavery was wrong. American chattel slavery. You can't tell me you think it was wrong, but then ignore how Christianity played a part in creating that society. It's quite the tool, isn't it, right? It's It's, the tool. it's, It's quite the, and I say this to a lot of people that didn't grow up in a a heavily religious part of the country when they go, how can, how can a guy like that, how, how, and I'm like, because he plays the religious card. You start talking about God and Jesus and pro-life and I mean, like you hit, you hit all the triggers when it comes to, you know, religious beliefs and they're in. They're in. They're That's in. all that they and hear. That's it's all kind that of matters. like it's kind of like what you're saying about the Bible. Regardless of how much of that is factual information or fictional stories that are used in a, and in many ways used in a very good way to teach people to be good and be kind and be humble and be good to each other and good to themselves and good neighbors and good friends and good humans. But they can take that same information and twist it in such a way mm-hmm. that these people don't even understand that they're being manipulated. Because it's indoctrination. Yeah. Which is part of how cults become successful. I you know. Indoctrin- I mean, it's, indo- it's them indoctrinating and indoctrination of their mind where that's why my grandfather was so adamant about me not believing everything that came out of every leader in the church's mouth. Even though you are in a very religious family. And he, yeah, and he was the head deacon. My grandmother was like the head mother of the church, which was like the head, you know, like the women's section of the church. She was like the mother, which means she's like the pastor for the women, quote unquote. Like she's in charge of the women's department. Like they were big, big into the whole system of the church. Right. But they also knew that Christianity is easy to be used, like you said, as a tool of manipulation. Right. And because they believe so much in their religion, they wanted to make sure that their grandchildren was following the laws of God in regards to loving your neighbor and creating an equal and fair and open life, right? So they wanted to make sure. How lucky for you, sure, though. Like, lucky, that's amazing. Wait, right? before I forget, wasn't Somebody, there was like a minister very early on in COVID that defied or was allowed to have a service. From and Virginia. From yeah, from Richmond. your home. Your home, didn't he? And he died. Didn't you know him, him or was he part I of the church? I didn't know him, but my friend, he was the pastor of my friend's church. Oh, okay. And I knew of him because he was a big mega church pastor yeah. in, in the city. But, you know, like that's the thing is like we and, and Christians will say like, you know, cults are wrong and, and you know, they'll demean another, you know, religion, not understanding that some of them themselves are caught up in a cult. Yeah. And again... And that's not me knocking Christianity. No, no, no. That's that's me knocking organized Christianity. But it's the people who manipulate Christianity. And I Mm -hmm. think that is a very different... That's a very important distinction. It's a very important distinction. And that's what's, you know, I think hard for people to understand that you can condemn people who manipulate anything, right? Anything. Anything, right? Because it's all about power. Yeah. Let's talk, you know, look in the Catholic Church. I mean, right? That's a a prime example of manipulation. Years of sexual predatory behavior. behavior. You guys, at this point, it's a systemic problem within the Catholic Church. Wake up and recognize that. Yeah. But that's what I mean by, like, in regards to that 
person who wrote you that message. Yeah. That is why I can hold my leaders accountable because I understand again that everyone is human and everyone has flaws and everyone can be easily swayed by the pursuit of power or greed or money to do the things that they want to do to get that. So me saying that I am challenging the Catholic Church for their years of sexual predatory behavior is not me blasting the Catholic Church. It's not me demeaning the Catholic Church. It's me saying, when are you going to recognize that you got a problem and you need to fix it? And if you genuinely want to be this church for the people to get them, quote unquote, into heaven, then why are you not taking care of this problem? And where is it coming from? And how is it going to be stopped? Own the problem and fix the damn problem. And to strip it all down for a second, so many of those people that claim to be religious Christians are also People that just spread the hate. Yeah. And but see, they don't think it's hate. <sighs> they think that they are spreading or, or that they are advancing the, the cause to get people to be a more just religious environment. That's why I tell people all the time that unfortunately, I think we're not just headed to a dark place as a country, but the way that, especially with the RNC this week, the oh. way things are headed, we're headed to the true living out the handmaid's tale. I mean, here's the thing. How many times, like every time we have a conversation, again, flipping it back to something else, but it's all, it's all intertwined because it's all mm. thematic of the same problem. But here we are again, like here we are again. If I played you back the podcast we recorded two months ago, we're kind of like, it sucks that it took this and this and this and then, you know, lots of things. But specifically, we talked about, you know, several events that happened over the last few months and then George Floyd. And then all of a sudden, finally, there's, you know, this this movement explodes, right? Then all of a sudden, it feels like, it, like I said earlier, is the movement really moving? Yeah. And then about two days ago, three days ago, in Wisconsin, Jacob Blake, literally on camera, shockingly enough, people protest. Gee, I don't know why, because a guy, maybe he was trying to resist arrest. Maybe he wasn't doing what they asked him to do. Okay, maybe that wasn't smart. But did he deserve seven fucking bullets in his back? Did he deserve he to like deserve be one. paralyzed for the rest of his life? No, not at all, right? And we all know if that had been a white man, that wouldn't have happened. That's the truth. That is the truth. Don't even fucking try to argue with me about it, right? We know. Yeah. But then, so we think, okay, here we are again. Again, upheaval happens. More riots, more protests. Not the same thing, people, by the way, even though the right likes to say that it's all riots, right? It's not. It's not always violent. But last night, a 17-year-old, not 37, not 47, not 57, 17-year-old kid in, is it Kenosha? I want to say Kenosha, right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, Wisconsin. Somewhere where there's lots of cheese. Anyway. Oh, sorry. I don't know how to pronounce the name. I think it's Kenosha. I'll say Kenosha. (laughs) But you have to say it like that, Kenosha. 
Wisconsin, with Kenosha. Anyway, whatever. I'm not saying that. People are going to be coming for you for that. They ain't <sighs> yeah. coming for me for that. Yeah, they can like, come for me for going up against religion. <laughs> I ain't about to come have people coming for me for mispronouncing the way they say stuff. Kenosha. Um, I make fun of myself and my southern <laughs> accent, so I can make some fun, fun of anybody else's accent. Anyway, but, you know, shoots a few people. Some of the people at the protest tackle him. I mean, and he's armed with a machine gun. What is it? A, I don't even know. It shows you how much I know about guns. An AR-15 AR AR-15. Something that we don't need regular Something that we don't. So, all I know is he had like a, you know, it looked like the, you know, the pageant girls wear the little sachets or the, what do you call those things? The sashes. <laughs> yeah, of bullets. Uh, sachet is if you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, sorry, sash. Sachet. Away. Away. Mm. Sachet. Away. Sash. Sorry. Yes. He was wearing the... The bullet sash killed two people and he got up and he walked and there's all these people in the protest screaming that, hey, that guy just shot people. That guy just shot a bunch of people, but like lots of people. And there was a like a SWAT tank or whatever those big SWAT vehicles are. Two cop cars. Look, the guy walks down point. the middle of the street, arms up in the air. And not only did he escape, he walked past them and escaped. They had to go catch him today in another fucking state. Yeah. And at this point, you've said step after step after step of why we have the movement. And he, if that, if he would have been a black man, step of the way, if he would have been a black man, he would have been dead. Fifty bullets in him, right? Do you mean the way that Jamie Rice already is dead? Yeah, a twelve-year-old playing on the playground with a toy gun, and a police officer pulls up and shoots him. Yes, absolutely. All all of them. All of them. All of them. Not a 12-year-old boy in the middle of a massive crowd of people. Not a 12-year-old boy in the middle of civil unrest with a toy gun. A 12-year-old boy playing with a toy gun at the playground. Police officers pull up and they get out of the car and they shoot him. Yep. This guy had a fucking semi-automatic weapon walking down Dylan the middle of the street Roof with people. shot up a black church and then the police officers apprehended him and took him to McDonald's yep. before they took him to prison. Yeah. All that and unfortunately, all of those and there will be more. There will be more. And I have to say, I don't watch basketball because I'm a football girl when it comes to sports. But there were a couple of people associated with the NBA in Milwaukee. That team opted out of the playoffs in protest. And there were there was a commentator who walked off a set and then... Chris Weber also did a commentary about the situation. And I just, honestly, it was so powerful, sadly powerful, listening to a grown, successful, athletic, strong basketball player who had everything in life to be grateful and thankful and happy about in tears talking about how he explained to had to explain to his autistic godson why they weren't playing and just had some really profound quotes about the situation. If you're interested, go watch it. I'm not even going to tell you because you should see it. You should see it. And there's the answer to your question. It's just here we are again. Like how many fucking times? Like, But that's what people don't understand is, do you know who Claudette Colvin is? No. Claudette Cloven did the bus boycott before you knew Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks got the fame for it, but Claudette had did it before her. And people always romanticize the civil rights movement 
and think that it all happened within a matter of a year or two years. The civil rights movement was the pinnacle to decades buildup of work that came before it. Right. And we're just continuing that work. The movement is not defined by a singular time in history. The movement has been going since the first slave was put on that slave ship and the slaves that even took their own lives because they would rather die than be in captivity. That's when the movement started. The movement started from women who were birthed their children. And as you see in the book and movie, Beloved, that when it came time for her to sell her babies, she went in and she killed her children because she refused to let them be sold into captivity and taken from her. There has always been resistance from Nat Turner to George Floyd to Martin Luther King to Malcolm X to Sam Cooke to Michelle Obama. The movement is ongoing. And we have to remember that it's just the next step. And what sucks is that we haven't ended the movement yet. And that's where I think the confusion is because people think, and rightfully so, it's 2020. We shouldn't be in this fight anymore. And people think that the fight is ended or that the fight is over or that... You know, we have a big moment and then that's going to get us the... No, it's just one step forward. I I knew when George Floyd sparked the national protest the way that it did, I knew that that was just one more defining moment of the movement. It wasn't the end. I knew something else was coming. Just like after Jacob Blake, the something else that came is the NBA players' responses that hasn't happened before. Right. And after this, something else is going to come. And something else is going to come. And we get further along the way of in this fight as much as we can. But we have to remember that the war, the work, the fight, it's not over. And honestly... It's not anywhere close to being over. No. I mean, I think that one thing he did say, which I will reveal, but was just that we just got everybody's attention. And I think that that's the difference is that the idea how long this has gone on, white people in America, a lot of white people in America, for them, it's just begun, right? They just, you just got their attention at a level that you've never had. And I think that's what he was saying. Yeah. But what he was also saying is that it's been going on for this long. It's not even going to be the Gen Zs, which are my kids. It's the babies that are coming up right now. Like, it's going to be decades. Yeah. Pray and hope to God and the powers of the universe and whatever fucking you believe or don't believe. But we all have to just hope and and do the day-to-day work and, and you know, do more day-to-day work every single day, right? Every single day that you do something, the next day should be bigger than that day. Yeah, and you have to always yeah. ask yourself, what are you doing? What are you doing, not posting? What are you doing? To help create the solution. Right. All of what you're saying is right. 
But the reason why we're in this situation is because of a lot of lip service and not action. Don't be the one times two in the multiplication table. You want to get to the 12 by 12. You want to get to the 12 by 12. You're going to be 144, motherfucker. You're going to be 144. <laughs> see what I did there? Did you see what I did there, You brought it back. You closed it up and brought it back. But, I mean, it's so true. And I remind myself of that every single day. And by the way, I think this is something that you also had said. Not everybody is equipped to do certain kinds of things, right? Yeah. Like, that's okay. Like me, I'm not going to be out canvassing. Right. I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm not walking door to door. I am tired. I do a lot of work. Right. But I do know where I am being of service. Right. I love a phone bank. I love to donate to the campaign causes. I love to create create curriculum that is about educating children to understand that they have to think liberatedly and free for themselves mm-hmm. and teaching them the importance of empowerment and not shutting their voice down. Yeah. Some of us are better canvassing because I know if I show up door to door and some idiot answers the door like, I'm going to cuss them up and down, left and right, and I'm going to lose Biden and call them some right. folks. So, so I know with yeah. my big mouth, yeah, don't give me a door-to-door and I come up wanna, across an idiot. I don't want to know door-to-door, Don <laughs> You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, you know, so, but it is, it's about knowing that, like, we all can't do everything, but we all can do something. Something, right? And, and we can do multiple more. something. Yeah. Yes. So we all got to do that. We And if everyone's finding their thing yeah. to help combat this racist machine, yeah, but we does. actually can destroy it. Yeah. If we're all trying to attack it the same exact way, then we only have one line of attack. Right. And we might defeat Satan. And we might defeat Satan. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, time to wrap it up. However, uh, I have saved the best for last. I just wanted to personally and lovingly congratulate you on your recent award ah. as an actor. Yes. Guys, Donzel won breakout performance, not in one, but two amazing breakout performances over this past year for Scene Stage Los Angeles, St- Scene Stage LA. Is that Scene mm-hmm. Stage LA better to say? Because he is like the ultimate podcast host. He is also the ultimate friend and theater teacher for PS Arts. But most importantly, he's an amazing actor. And I love you. And I am so, so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Applause, 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 um, applause, applause. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank you. It was a great recognition, mainly because last year was my best year as an actor, 2019. I- booked, you know, I don't, honestly, when January of 2019 hit, I booked something until the end of the year. Can I rub that magic um, lantern that you rubbed? Because I really want Yes, I'm trying to rub it again, but 2020 <laughs> said ain't nobody rubbing no lanterns. That's All y'all true. staying at home. Oh, at least we have um, the podcast. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> The big money maker that it is. I was like, my 2019 <laughs> is setting me up for 2020. 2020 said everybody gets reset. Sit down. Uh, <laughs> Sit down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, you know, 2019 was great because I've had a very, you know, challenging journey as a performer because I've always been who I am 
now. And who I am is not the mold. There's not many. Thanks, God. Thank God. Uh, you know, at the time, specifically coming up in theater school, just being an out gay black man, there were very few roles Wait, for you're, us. You're gay? I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes it changes. Um, but, you know, last year I booked so many queer projects and it was also the year that I stopped giving up beep about what other people thought. Fuck. And the minute I stopped giving, I stopped caring about what other people thought, I just started booking. And the minute I stopped going into auditions and thinking is things right or anything and just started having fun and just playing. And embracing the journey. And embracing the journey. journey. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, you know, the first show was a very powerful show. It was called Dope Queens. And it was a very powerful show that looks into the lives of three friends living in San Francisco who are dealing with drugs, relationships, and, and healing of their trauma as well as, most importantly, trying to find love when you're on the outskirts of society as a marginalized person. Because everybody wants love, right? Everyone wants everybody love. Wants we love. do. We do. That was a very that powerful show, very revolutionary, very exposed a lot of, you know, challenges within the within that world. And then the other show was a very fun show called The Legend of Georgia McBride, where I played a drag queen and... It was just a great time. You and, very pretty. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was great was I got to do the drama in Dope Queens. I had a friend who, at the end of it, she said, oh my You're such gosh, a drama queen. Your performance was like Viola <laughs> Davis and Taraji Henson had a baby. Then you were oh that my gosh. baby. Um, a, what a compliment, though. It, it was a huge compliment. And I really took that to heart. And was like, yes, thank you. Please As tell Shonda Rhimes that. He's very talented um, people. Just but, you know, Any casting do, agents out there. Anyone. <laughs> I got to do that drama and that was great. And I got to really go there emotionally. And then doing Legend of George McBride, I got to go right into the comedy. But also did I, I played the drag queen, but I also played a straight landlord. So it was so fun because I literally, in between my scenes, would go in and out of drag. So How I would, the hell did you do that? Girl, because I'm good at what I fucking well, I do. I know, but like, that's like a <laughs> Fucking marathon, like that's why I wouldn't break out before. I mean, like that's a lot. Because like, I'm the real deal, people. dude. It takes me fucking half an hour to get ready for a Zoom acting class. I can't even I imagine going drag in, drag out, drag in, drag out, drag in, drag out. That's wipes. crazy. Now, granted, the drag queen, the, the the writer, the author, the playwright, you know, specifically says that my character is not the most glamorous of drag queens, right? So I didn't have to have a flawless beat face. But what I would do is I would have the makeup on and I would throw blush and lipstick and eyeliner and eyelashes and makeup, not makeup, um, oh, what do you put on your eyes? Uh, not eyeshadow. 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 Okay, Um, I would put all that stuff on throughout the show when I would be going from Rexy to Jason, the landlord and the drag queen. I would have makeup. Yes. (laughs) Jason's drag queen. Uh, (laughs) But I would have, you know, I would have makeup wipes literally and I'd be like, okay, just got out of Rexy, take off this, this, this. I would rub it all off and then you know like did you go ever with like 
Girl, with one eye on and one eye off. <laughs> one night I didn't, but one night I went on with my flip flops <laughs> because I would also take off the heels from Rexy because my feet would be hurting. I would put on these oh flip flops, so the same ones I'm wearing now. These black champion flip sh- flip flops. My daughter took the photo. Uh, of. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and you know the, the flip flops were not right for either character. And I just remember at one night I went out as <laughs> Jason and I didn't take off my flip flip flops and I am talking and I'm in my scene and I looked out at my feet and I was like, oh, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm out of costume. <laughs> well, better Jason than Rexy in the flip-flops. Yes, much better. Rexy yes. would never be caught dead Rex- in flip-flops. <laughs> but it was it was a great time. So awesome. it was really honestly great to have that award and that recognition, especially because, you know, you fight so much when you're not the typical talent to just be seen and recognized for your talent. And so to finally be given the opportunity and the chance and to do it and knock it out of the park and then get recognition and accolades from it. You know, it's like what Amy Poehler said in regard in her book, something in regards to you, you don't always want the cherry on top, but it's nice to get the cherry on top. I don't know if that's what she really said, but something like that, she equated it to food and dessert. Sorry, well, Amy, if I'm Speaking from somebody who just you. decided to be an actor at the ripe old age of 52. Um, <laughs> you mean 25. I know. In spirit, my spirit years are 25. That's right, um, But yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how rewarding that would be to do have, not have one, but two roles. Right now, I'll take any role, anybody, yeah. Bueller. <laughs> just kidding. Girl, I'm thing. just getting started. I'm good, but I love it. And yeah. that's not, I mean, I do it because I love it, not because, you know, but it, it would be nice to work. But yeah. Amen. Yeah. But I get it. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're just like to be able to have not just one, but two roles that are very different and challenging in their own way mm-hmm. and to be recognized for both of them. Yeah. Well, three, because I was Jason, too. <laughs> but it was two plays. Two plays. I was wow. two characters in one play and like one character in the other. Like the trifecta so, of Scene Stage LA. I was able to show my range. <laughs> I played a straight guy. I played a drag queen. <laughs> and a landlord in flip-flops. <laughs> not the, stop, no, not the I most stylish landlord. I made you cry. <laughs> They are kind of cool flip-flops, though. Yeah. Anyway, so proud of you. Thank you. Um, I think we're good. Yes, we are. I'm going to go not watch the RNC night, too. But anyway, yes, positivity people, keep it moving, keep busy, keep active. Educating yourself, keep reading, keep informing yourself. Don't just take the bullshit for do the work to learn. Yes, and remember what Audre Lorde said. I am not free if another woman is free, even if her shackles are different. It doesn't just boil down to women, everyone. There are many of us in this country who are marginalized because of the patriarchy and the hierarchy of privilege that we as a country created years ago. So make sure that you understand that this is bigger than you. And you have to not only fight for your own equality, but you've got to make sure that you're reaching back and helping others fight for their equality. Yeah. There are children in cages, you guys, That's, that do yeah. not belong there. Have you seen Immigrants on Netflix? No, don't need to watch it. Yes. We'll talk about that another time, but it's very, it's a documentary about just yeah. about that. And, but it's, and there's some atrocities and, and going and on And it's told there. through a very, I would say, objective perspective. I mean, they ride in the car with the ICE agents. There's 
yeah, those guys. And then there's atrocities. also interviews with the families and the men who got their kids ripped away from them. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I think well it's, kind, I think it's sort of, who I, have been trafficked. Yeah. yeah. Not only just taken from them, but some trafficked. of them have been kidnapped and then trafficked. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Oh no, he's gone. So yeah, when you climb up that ladder, look down and lend a hand, lend a foot and bring everybody up with you. Until next time. Bye, Donzel. Bye, girl. Laters. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, but you want to hear more, please subscribe. Come back. And if there's something in life that's bothering you and it's got you feeling misplaced and you want to talk about it, then reach out to us because we definitely want to hear. Yeah, get in touch. Our website is misplacedlife.com. Check us out. Or you can just slide into our deep. Did you just say slide into our DMs? Yeah, that's what you do on Instagram when you get to Elsa. Oh my God, you're such a millennial. Yes, Anyway, yes. Okay, people. Slide into our DMs at Insta. Misplaced.life. Nerd. Boomer. <laughs> Freak. Yeah, well, depends on the night. <laughs> <laughs>